Selling books, sweetheart. Is that what you were doing? Selling books? Yes. Is that what you were trying to do? Sell like books? Morning. Hi. Do you want to make a statement, Moira? <laughs> well, we're fighting for freedom today. I mean, the state manufacture a health crisis and think they can strip us of all our human rights. And I'm an author, and Stella is a former biology teacher. And we were lending books to um, help the people of Dundee who are, like everyone, they're so alone at home, be psychologically tortured. Well, I am. Well, it's uh, not good news. Uh, they're, um, they are charging me uh, with culpable and reckless conduct, and a court date set for 26th May at 10 a.m. And uh, so it's quite, quite shocking, quite shocking. And um, that's the first time I've been in court. And uh, oh, oh, what will I say? Uh, uh, the only good thing is um, the judge, the judge or sheriff, sure. um, has uh, lifted the bail conditions that I'm allowed into my own city. And um, I can attend a protest if I choose to do so. Not that I plan to. <laughs> at the moment um, and I wasn't organising a protest um, and anyway this is uh, because on the day they didn't take they didn't take the suitcase they were very selective with the evidence they took and uh, and I've got the library book to show the names and dresses I collected library cards and this was a book Ian e. Forster the machine stops you know with the with the library borrow card in it and um, so I was being completely truthful and uh, trying to just help the people of Dundee get through this uh, psychological, well, this psyop, you know, this um, you know, psychological torture that we're being put through. And if you don't have any money, you don't have a computer, you have no access to anything apart from maybe a radio, um, which is just constant. How many died? How many cases? How many, you know, take the injection, take the injection. You know, this experimental injection, the, the trials aren't up, I think, till 2023. So it's breaking the Nuremberg Code, coercion, and the other thing they're breaking is there's no, actually no um, medical necessity for these injections at all, because perfectly safe, um, cheap um, treatments that have existed for years, hydroxychloroquine plus zinc plus others. So they're also breaking the Nuremberg Code by experimenting on people when there is no medical necessity. So anyway. I was just do, trying to help people um, in various ways, and so is Stella. And we'll just keep we'll keep telling the truth, eh? Yeah, Fantastic. we have to. I've been charged mainly with uh, not social distancing, which the police have been told not to enforce. It's a very mm. much a individual choice, and not wearing a mask, and approaching a police officer, not social distancing with her. But she was the one that clapped me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the actual charge with the police officer. That's the, what they're charging you, not social distancing with the arresting officer. 
Yes. That's crazy. Uh, it doesn't make sense, any of it. But also, they're saying that it was a protest, and it's not. No. It was never a protest. See, the courier lied, and we've got evidence, when you spoke yeah. about that earlier, that there was well. 40 people in the square. There was not, and we've got film footage to show the square was empty. Good morning to the UK column viewers and listeners. I'm here in a very smart little studio in David Scott's house in Scotland. It's actually quite a nice day outside. It's not too cold, a um, little bit overcast, but I have actually seen some blue sky today. So it, it's quite a nice day. And I'm delighted uh, to be joined here by Moira who I've only met a few minutes ago. So this is going to be a, a, a real interview of two people getting to know each other a bit. But I know that Moira has been a very um, brave campaigner tackling some of the issues around lockdown. And uh, what we hope to do in the next hour, or hour and a bit, is uh, hear how she got started and what she discovered and what she experienced when she tried to stand up against some of the COVID rules and particularly the lockdown rules. So Moira, I'm going to say welcome to David's house. Thank you, um, Hello, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now your real name is, is Moira Malcolm. Well, yeah, that's my, my yeah. maiden name. But you're known as Moira Dundee. That's right, that's the name of my YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay. That's my stage name. That's your stage name. Okay. So let's do the simple thing. So for, for the uh, viewers and listeners, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I believe that you were involved in computing. That's your main profession. Well, I actually started off doing architecture, studying architecture. And um, I started at the Macintosh School of Architecture in Glasgow. And... <laughs> um, and I left there because um, I w we weren't allowed to use the university sports facilities. Anyway, at the end of third year, the head of Glasgow who knew me was my external examiner. Right. And, um, and he failed me on the very last day when I should have had my degree. I actually had a job. For architecture. Yes, and I actually wow. had a job set up in Edinburgh. Right. So, so there's, there's another little question I have to ask in there. You left because of problems with sports facilities. So what, what were the sports facilities? Well, they had beautiful sports facilities at Glasgow University and architecture was actually first in the prospectus. But when I arrived, um, I found out I was part, a part-time student at Glasgow University and full-time at the art school. Right. And I was in a horrible residence and it was a very, very unhappy, lonely year. So I think this, to bring on to now immediately, I think this is why I felt so much for the students that were incarcerated in Dundee. Right. There was 500 of them, you know, when one tested positive or something. Yes. They were incarcerated. And yeah. I was particularly concerned because I know that it's, it's the most lonely I've ever felt in my life being in a student residence. Right. And I know of people can take their own life, even right. you know, beyond, without this going on. So anyway, we did a, a, a protest outside a student residence in Dundee and said, you can leave, they can't hold you there. And we might have saved a life, you never know. Right. right. Some students shouted, fuck off. Um, other ones, um, there was a boy on the ground floor went like, you know, heart shaped with his hands. You don't know, you know. Yes. Um, and the, the armed police came. The right. police came to that. But anyway, after, so, so just, I, I, back to 
if you want to know the story, what happened, I ended up no, thinking... Just, just, just let me come in okay. just a minute. I'm just trying to pin you down here. So, mm -hmm. so your, your background is a, an architecture degree, which I know is, is very long. How long does it no, take? No, but I I was failed. Right. And then I started repeating the year for no reason whatsoever. I mean, I pass and it's just um, if, if somebody doesn't like you, it's just um, what you call it, um, opinion, you know. Right. And um, but I did end up going to uh, I thought they were going to fail me again. The power. So it taught me the power of an institution. If they have it in for you. You know, the, you, yeah, you will yes. achieve nothing no matter how right you are, no matter what arguments. And my yes. mother was an excellent secretary. Right. She'd actually worked at United Nations for a bit. Right. And um, and so she was very good at letter writing. And so maybe that taught me campaigning. Well, OK. And, but I eventually went to, five years later, I went to Newcastle University and repeated the third year and got it. So I've got an honours degree in architecture. Okay, <laughs> no. but that's I would have become an architect right. if that hadn't happened. Okay, but then because I was very suited to it, and I worked in architects' offices. Right. But then I ended up when I was th I couldn't do the last two years. I couldn't face it. It's five years full time, right. but it would have been six for me. Right. I couldn't face it. It was so cruel, and so I ended up doing um, a master's in computing when I was thirty. Right. Which was uh, software technology, which is basically computer programming. Right. So that's why I've had all the computer skills to do what I've done. Yeah, but what, what you're describing is that you, you absolutely got a professional background. And so <laughs> that means that you have a brain which, if you decide you're seeing something which isn't right, people should respect you because you, you're capable of working out that something isn't quite right. Well, I think computer programming, the thing you need is logic. Well, okay, yeah. It's, uh, and I've got you know, logic. Right. Anyone who's got a logical mind could see this from the outset for what it was. Yeah, okay. None right. of it made sense. Okay, now let's pin down a time scale. So what, what, was the, what was the date where you started to really question what was going on? I often say to people, mm -hmm. I've done this in, in interviews over many years, I, I say to people, when was your life normal and when did it change? So what was the what was the time frame when you went from going along with things to suddenly realizing something wasn't right? Well, um, I was trying to avoid the news anyway because I realized years ago that um, the, it, every news bulletin they would somehow get in about climate change. It was global warming, wasn't yeah. it? I even yeah. had a joke with my husband, we'd be in the car and the news would come on and I'd say, right, guess, what's your guess? And we'd guess how many seconds or minutes before they mentioned global warming. Right, yeah. Uh, and I'd say, like, 30 seconds and he'd say, two minutes, <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'd win. And um, so I could see that they're pushing, pushing, pushing agendas. Yes. But that was about it. And uh, so I was avoiding the news and then thinking, if it doesn't affect me, I shouldn't be concerned if I can't change something, yeah. there's no point in being, you know, upset about it. So I wasn't watching the news in January and all the stuff from China. I was ignoring it. Okay. But then when they said they were passing this legislation and it just passed in Parliament and it passed faster than all the speed of light. The legislation the, being all of the COVID restrictions. Yes, the Coronavirus Act 2020. <clears throat> right. I managed to find it online and I read a few paragraphs of that and um, was and, and I believed that um, we were in grave danger. Right. 
Well, so that, that's a very strong reaction to it instantly. I, I remember watching it unfold and I, I had a sense that something not very nice was happening. But you're using the expression grave danger, which I think yes. is absolutely right. So, so that, that started you really concentrating on what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And what, what did that lead to then? Well, um, it's hard to remember the exact <laughs> um, time scale of what I saw first, but um, I, I did I did feel that um, I didn't want to be seen as a troublemaker um, yeah. Because I didn't know anything about he- the health aspect. Right. I didn't know anything about viruses. Yeah. Um, so um, I didn't want to say anything out of step. So I tried to be patient and I, I thought, oh, wait two weeks. They said two weeks to flatten the curve. This is extreme, we know, but right. uh, two weeks to flatten the curve. So I, I tried to be patient um, and wait and see if they then dropped it. Right. But there was also, I was using Twitter a lot of the time. And um, somebody had alerted me to the fact that the COVID-19 had been downgraded uh, yes, from a um, high-consequence infectious yep, disease yep. on the 19th of March yep. um, 2020, uh, prior to them passing the legislation. And yep. it was on a government website. Yeah, I remember this very well because we, we reported on this and it was very significant because it, I think it was the first real indication that what they were saying if you said it wasn't true, that's one way of coming in, but at least questions needed to be asked about what they were saying. That's right, yeah. and it says on it, um, mortality, now we know mortality rate is low overall, right? And then I, I was also thinking, could it be a fake website? You know, so I yeah. really tried to delve. So that's what I'm saying, yeah. my computing skills have been handy throughout this. Yes. Um, and... So that was a wonderful year I did. And I worked as a computer programmer, right. earning a decent salary for a few years. Right. Anyway, um, so um, I found it was the real government website. And then the next thing I heard, it was actually Vernon Coleman who right. concurred the significance of that. Yes. He said, um, when he saw it, he thought, oh, brilliant. Phew, you know, we can relax. Um, um, yeah. Life will go back to the it, crisis over. And then, then he said, and then he found out they were passing that legislation. Yeah. So yes, it was uh, Dr. Vernon yeah. Coleman yeah. Uh, who alerted me to the fact that it was <laughs> what was happening was completely at out of step with the real public health risk. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So you, you're thoroughly alerted to the fact this is going on. You don't like what's going on. Mm. Uh, you get to a point where you decide you need to do something to help people or warn people. So mm-hmm. where did where did it go next then? Well, after the two weeks, they extended it by another week. You know, they never want to do it, of course. <laughs> but well, we're uh, reluctant. reluctant. Yeah, they're always reluctant, reluctant to, have, yeah. to make our life worse. And um, so I didn't know what to do because we weren't allowed to go into people's houses. Uh, we weren't couldn't meet up. Yeah. You weren't even supposed to. You were told not to meet someone outside the house. You yes. can only leave the house for so many reasons. Yeah. And one of them was um, exercise. Yes. So I already had a YouTube channel, Moira Dundee, because I'd done a, wee, a few political comedy sketches on it, and so my I I had a compulsion to tell the world that I didn't consent. 
and I hoped that people might see it and realise that they're they're not wrong in their thinking, you know, maybe if, and um, to know they're not alone. I've yeah. been very lucky that I've had company throughout the yeah. lockdown, but, uh, you know, it must have been horrific for people completely alone. Um, it, well, it, it clearly was because we, we knew at the time some people were saying that they were in a very lonely, isolated position. And then, of course, yeah. afterwards, um, a lot of people came forward to talk about not only their own experiences, but experiences of relatives, particularly elderly relatives, who, who ended mm. up in horrible situations. Yeah. yeah. So you did the YouTube yeah, channel so and then... Yeah, I had the YouTube then, channel anyway. So I had the idea. I thought, well, how one person um, protesting isn't going to have any impact in empty streets, is it? So I had the idea to make a video, to make a little short um, video and put it on YouTube. Right. And what so, happened? So I bought two little megaphones uh, and recorded my voice. On t One said, innocent citizens say no to house arrest. And the other one said, there is no justification for a government to lock up its own innocent people. Anyway, I recorded that onto the little meg megaphones. I put them on the ground so that I could skip. I mean, it was logistically quite difficult by yourself, filming yourself. Right. So I had and my camera on tripod. Okay, and the, skip, <laughs> the skipping was you demonstrating exercise. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to do a protest within the law. Yeah. That, um, but I still was, right, thought right. The, 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 the culture of fear, it was so um, bad. I thought the police could have knocked at the door saying I yeah. was encouraging people to break well, the law. Well, I, I, I experienced a case where having, having arranged to meet somebody for a, just a social event in their house. Well, it wasn't even, it wasn't a social event in numbers. We were, we were going to have a meal and right. uh, that's, that's all it was. And, and then eventually it was obvious that one of the two individuals was very uncomfortable because in their mind, for us to be together, just four of us together in the house mm -hmm. was in breach of the rules. Um, and what if the police came? Mm -hmm. And this shocked me because I didn't realise that other people were so frightened by the laws that were coming in. And the result was, in the end, I'm saying we, because it was my wife and myself, but we said, OK, we'll just stop and have a coffee. We've driven this way, we'll just stop and have a coffee and then we'll go. But okay. when, when we were driving back, and obviously a little bit of discussion between us, and I said, wow, I, I couldn't believe that somebody was so frightened by the by the law or mm -hmm. the possibility of the police yes. um, that, that that social yes. interaction was cancelled. I really find yeah. throughout that people didn't have fear of the viol uh, of the virus, a virus, yes. <laughs> you know, the alleged virus. Um, it was the fear of the law. It was yes. the fear of the police. Uh, the yeah. fear of um, fines, fines, yes, uh, losing their job. Yeah. Um, going, so, well, if you went to a protest, you could if you were arrested, you'd lose your yeah. job. If you were in, if you were in care, if you were in teaching, there was loads of things. Uh, people were very more scared. Yeah, and of course, later we were to learn that through the Spy B uh, team, the psychological team working mm -hmm. alongside the s supposed COVID experts, mm -hmm. that they were deliberately using applied psychology to make people fearful. That mm -hmm. was that was that key document that we got hold of. That's right. And, uh, uh, and, 
Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I, I also mm. heard in case I forget, it was it was the original lockdown is a prison term. Yes. 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 And it was and it was um, and it was the it was Laura Glass. That's right. She was fifteen years old. Um, and she she did this as a, a pro school a project. The, the grandchildren meet the 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 children are in contact with the most people going okay. to school going to groups seeing right. people and uh, so the presumption is that people are contagious yes so if they stopped seeing people yeah. <laughs> yes. if you locked yeah. up children yeah. then you would stop uh, an epidemic yes right but she was 15 years old and do not <laughs> you nothing it's not her fault by the way yeah. but um, there was there was a man who came out of retirement. He'd worked at the Who. He's supposed to um, be responsible for ridding the world of smallpox. But anyway, he came. He, he flew out of retirement and wrote a, a paper with another few academics. And he answered every single question, saying, "Don't do this. Don't do that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that." And even closing airports had proved in the past it had no impact. <laughs> Yeah, on, whatsoever. On whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it's really fascinating. But the thing that you should never do if there is a real public health crisis and if we can, if we are contagious, that's never been proved, by the way. The, um, the most important thing is um, to keep people calm. Yes. That's what you said. The most important well, thing is to keep people calm. And so when I read that, I thought they're doing everything to create fear. So that also proves that this is absolutely sinister, what yes. the government's doing. Yes. There's no mistake here. And, and psychologists are saying with now with, with, well, with not only the hindsight of the event, but also mm -hmm. their knowledge of, of psychology, that if you put people in a stressed situation, you make them anxious, not only does that affect their mental health, it affects their physical health. Mm. So by by applying, um, I call it malicious, because it is malicious psychology to introduce fear, you are actually creating the conditions to make people even more unwell. Let, let's mm -hmm. assume that the virus story was great. Right. You then applied psychology. Mm -hmm. So all this was going on. Your idea was to to try and rebel against lockdown by getting out, taking your exercise by skipping mm -hmm. and have a protest. So where did you go? Where did you go on the streets to skip? And, and what reaction did you get from the public? Mm -hmm. What reaction did you get from the police? Well, I, I chose a spot. I went down, I think it was, it was about half past seven at night. I went in the summer. Oh, yeah, it was April. That yeah, was still yeah. light, though. Yeah. And because um, I remember... Uh, on my way back, it was they were just starting to clap to the carers. Yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, um, so I went down to the pier. There was no one there. I didn't yeah. want anyone to be seeing me. And because I'm quite shy, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> right. So, in the first instance, it's for for you. You go out. It is a protest, but you're it, you're just going to get some exercise. Is yes, that but I'm going to get the. I'm I'm wanting the film footage. Okay, right. Uh -huh. And my husband didn't want me to go to do it because I was had, I was wearing my tracksuit. <laughs> I was having my little microphone. He didn't. And I looked at him in the eye, and I'll never forget it. And I said to him, I said, one day you'll be proud of me. Right. Excellent. And I hope he is because he should be. So you, you did that. And then mm. what, what happened? Well, you did more. Did well, you? I mean, the crucial the thing about that is I got vicious um, comments under the YouTube video, really vicious. And they were saying they'd reported me. 
and oh, okay um, for bre- so for breaching the regulations and for, yeah we're just oh <laughs> um, the restrictions are for your own good just really attacking attacking yes yeah. and um, but then what I've learned so because I've been seeing this from the outset I was on Twitter as well. Right. And I ended up with 2,000 followers before I was kicked off. Okay. And so I've, I've seen it right from the outset. And I learned about the 77 Brigade. Right. That the, the British Army, we the taxpayer is actually paying for a branch of the British Army to attack us. Yes. Uh, all day, every day on, on social media. Uh, um, anyone who's speaking out against the government narrative. Yeah, because they, they that, I mean, that was, that was a public statement that 77 Brigade was going to work alongside the government in order to help enforce yeah. COVID-19 policies. Mm-hmm. And and I, I found that outrageous mm-hmm. and alarming because um, t- to bring, you know, an army unit, albeit one that was about social media and, and monitoring the internet, mm-hmm. I, I found this utterly disgusting. Yeah, so they deem so, me the enemy. So, so yeah. what they're putting the comments underneath, so it's, 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 it's making me out to be a lone wolf yeah. to be like insane um you know that that's the narrative so if anyone looks at it if anyone right. found the video they'd read underneath and say oh you know she's been dismissed okay it was just to, yeah so so where where does it go next is it that because on front uh, on the desk in front of us we're, we're going to mm-hmm. comment about this a bit more but just just so that our viewers and listeners today know we've got a newspaper article spread out on the desk in front of us now you got attacked pretty viciously in this article, mm-hmm. but you also had the police coming in your direction. So which happened first? Did the media go for you or the police? Well, um, the the police was, when I got, was arrested, it was quite a bit later. Oh, okay. January so, 2021. Right, so the newspaper so, article yeah, comes new, first. Yeah, so that was in the uh, 7th of August. Yeah. 2020. What I, I did was when the mask mandate came out on public transport and shops, right. um, I thought, hoped that that was perhaps a straw to break the camel's back. Yes. So I came up with a leaflet um, myself. And even, even because everything was shut and libraries were shut, you couldn't even print things, you know, yeah. photocopy things. Yeah. Or, so I realised I was in a unique situation because I had right. printer and paper, <laughs> so um, and I would cut. I would cut up. I would print to A four and then cut them with a scalpel knife wow. to make A five. And and I went and took a picture of me with a pair of pants on my head. That was on the leaflet. I wasn't wearing pants okay. in the street, but the leaflet said "Say pants to muzzles." Okay. So I went um, down. Um, I went into Dundee City Centre by myself. Very brave. And well, looking back, and and I thought, and and I saw everyone was doing it. They were wearing masks, yes. and, and it was just heartbreaking. And surreal. That is a surreal yeah. experience when when everybody around you is wearing masks, mm-hmm. and 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 then you're not, of course. And it it does it does have an impact, and I, and I'm sure it was yes. meant to. We can we can talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit separately. So so you were you were on a one woman protest on the street yes. in. And in then, Dundee. And then I think um, yeah, a man at the golf club that I'd been in, he saw it. And it was quite funny as well. You know, I always tried to have a wee bit of humour. Yes. I mean, it became yeah. impossible later on. But uh, uh, he'd seen it was laughing and um, his ex-wife had seen the seriousness of it. 
so anyway, she came right. along. She wanted to, to join me. Oh, wow. So she yeah. came along, and then a boy, he was really nice, in his 30s, and he came along. So just gradually, people you know, joined me. Right. And, but I, I, I printed them all out. I only missed two Saturdays out of, I think it was uh, four months. I was right. there every Saturday between the sort of 12 and half okay. one. And the two weeks I wasn't there, right. I provided so, them with them. Right, so, with the leaflets. so in that time when you're regularly appearing on the streets with mm. your protests, what, what reaction did you get from the public? Um, quite hostile. But then you had to realise that the people who are going, were going into town shopping, they're the ones that are not upset about it. The people who, you know, a lot of people just wouldn't go. Yes, okay. They'd say, well, I'm just going to do everything online or I won't yeah. go. So it was the hardest core that you're um, dealing with. But I felt right. that was important. There's no okay. point in, I mean, the stand in the parks, yeah. right, people so made friends. But I think, you know, you want it to be, you always want to be where people are um, not thinking the same as you if you no. want to change okay. minds. So how, <laughs> did they, how did they actually react? Did they speak to you? Did they shout at you? Did they ignore you? What did well, they do? a bit of everything. Right. A bit of everything, but we gave out did, tons of leaflets. <laughs> right. And did you manage to sort of engage any of them in a conversation? You're handing out a leaflet. Did they ask a yeah, question? Or? Well, I mean, it's, you, you started to know the ones that not to bother with. There's no point yeah. in spending 10 minutes. With somebody that's just a blank yes. wall. Yeah. Uh, so oh. we sort of learned not to engage. Okay. If people were that hostile. Right. And did... did do you think, looking back, that you did make an impact on some of those people? That they, be, you took them from the fact that there they were walking mm -hmm. around like a little robot with their mask on. They get a leaflet. They see what you're mm -hmm. doing. They talk to you. Do Do you think that that what you did made a positive impact on some of those people? Definitely. And you do meet impressive people that just say, "Well, I, you know, I've never worn one." Yeah. They're not getting me to, you know, not getting me to wear one. I mean, you do meet people who are just uh, said no from the outset. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I, just a little story from me to sort of echo this. I, I always went out walking the dog. That was my exercise. Mm -hmm. I, I live in a um, village of about three and a half thousand people. A lot of the people I'll meet on a daily basis are all dog walkers. Mm -hmm. But I went out one day and there were two elderly lady just walking on their own through the fields and um, it was at the stage where people sort of did the zigzag away from each other you know am I going to go too close or whatever well, I stayed on the path and when we got level they said to me I think it was a nice day so there was a prompt to start some conversation and very quickly it was on to matters to do with lockdown and and I, I said well I'm I have to say to you, I, I don't believe a word we're being told at the moment. I don't believe mm -hmm. that this is, thing is real in the way they're telling you. And I certainly don't think we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. And one of those ladies said, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad you've said that to me because you're the first person. Oh, it's like a burden mm -hmm. taken on. And I, I was shocked at how animated she was really? just because I'd said that to her. Mm -hmm. And then we, we had a discussion where we discussed a few more, you know, things mm -hmm. about facts and statistics and what was true and what was not. But when, when, when those mm -hmm. two ladies left me, one, the one, the one that was the, the main one said, I'm so glad we've met you. And I thought, well, 
Well, well, we've got to thank the dog because if the dog oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pushed me out, so okay, yeah, so good for that. But um, that's right. It's a bit yeah. like the skipping video effect. To know you're yeah. not alone yeah. was very yeah. important. You're right, and uh, that's why speaking out was so important. Right. So you're doing the protest, and then what? What happens? A journalist comes along. Yes, or... wanting to interview me about right. my the. Um, campaign against right. So you're gonna you're gonna take the paper, Moira, but we know that if it rustles too much it's a bit of a problem for the microphone. Uh, so Well it's just to show you a yeah. two page spread. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was quite, and quite this, proud of that one. Right. And tell us uh-huh. this this paper is the, tele- the uh, Evening Telegraph. And that is a Dundee Dundee paper. It's right. the Courier and the Evening Telegraph is owned right. by DC Thompson. So so who appears on the street to talk to you? Is that is that where they interviewed no, she, you? She she phoned. Um, yeah, she phoned. She got my phone number from someone. She, you know, they'd asked permission to give it. Right. So, did they come visit you at home or something? No, she just did. She phoned, but she didn't say she was recording it. Right. And um, so she's quoted me throughout the whole article. Right. And considering I had absolutely no preparation, I did very well. Right. And, do, do you, <laughs> and I didn't know it was being recorded. No. Well, that, that's pretty deceitful. Uh-huh. Well, so the journalist, who was the journalist? The lady? Her name was uh, Rachel Amory. And I met her in the street and said what she told her what her face, what she was doing was very dangerous. Yeah. Because what she wrote, I, I, the first thing I said to her on the phone was, I, had, I was not organising, it was not a protest. All we did was hand out leaflets. Between yes. these times on a Saturday, I repeated it three times. Right. I would never organise a protest because Nicola Sturgeon had said it was illegal. She did. That was Crazy. in a newspaper article right. before a part protest. Right. And so I said it three times in three different ways. I was not organising a protest. Right. Right. Thankfully, my husband was in the room at the time because I didn't have any witnesses. I wasn't right. taping it. And... You know, or I wouldn't have had a witness. Yeah. And she wrote, so when it came out, it said, this Saturday, a protest will take place in Dundee against the mandatory wearing of face coverings. Yeah. And then it's saying, how many people actually turn up remains to be seen. But one person will be there, organiser, you know. Whatever. Right. So, and and what, what is the, what's the thrust of this article? How does she describe you? Well. Apart from an organiser. Well, it's... Um, well, it's uh, more like, um, well, <laughs> I don't know. The, the, the relevant thing, the particularly sinister right. thing about the article right. was not um, it was not that. The sinister thing was that she said I'd organised a protest yes. when I hadn't. So I realised I was being set up. Right. So I thought, could she be that bad to send a photographer on Saturday? And there's, she knew there was only going to be three of us there. Right. Handing out the leaflets. Yep, so we got a big... The big so, picture here. Yeah, well, that yeah. was, no, but that was, um, it was, a, she was going to write a follow-up article. Okay. So I went down on this, so on the Saturday, I had the sense not to wear my pink top in case she'd sent a photographer right. to photograph an empty square to do the follow-up article. No one turned up at the protest yes. to reinforce. Right. Everyone wants to wear a mask, do you yeah. see? So, um, oh, it was really terrible. You know, I really felt the force of the state against me at that point. Um, so I went along, didn't wear my pink um, top. And um, and eventually I was wandering about and I saw a man with a zoom lens okay. underneath in the shadows. And I had sunglasses on. I went up to him and I said, um, 
I said, I said, is there something on today? You know, and he said, um, oh, it's a protest against the masks. And I said, oh, that was cancelled. And he said, oh, thanks. And he went away. <laughs> right. And well, then I went down. I had a, I had a, 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 and I was ready. I had my a megaphone I went down yep. to the v and did a wee protest against uh, Nicola Sturgeon you know I thought well I'll do a counter I couldn't I couldn't fight the print but I could I thought I could fight what they said about me online so it was really anyway yeah. then I was sitting in the meadows in Edinburgh and get uh, an email from a journalist or saying we just want to check a few questions uh, a, a few facts with so, you right yeah. and I thought they're going to do it they're going to write a follow-up article. Because right. he did take a picture of an empty square. And did they, they did a follow-up article. No, well, I sat there and I was shaking. I remember I was absolutely shaking. And I was back to my good letter writing, yeah. thanks to my mother, <laughs> um, who was from Dundee. Anyway, um, I, I, I just wrote a very, very careful sentence. I said, I made it very clear to Rachel Emery, the journalist, I said, I said repeated three times in three yes. different ways on the phone. I was not organising a protest, yeah. and I have a witness in the room to prove it. Right. right. Yes. And all of a sudden, they didn't publish it. Right. Yeah. Excellent. It. Excellent. But I felt so, it. Right. So this this obviously puts you in the spotlight locally mm-hmm. and, and, and and potentially at government level. If yes. if, if Nippy was keen to actually you know, enforce mm-hmm. what she what she said she was going to do. Mm-hmm. So police got involved eventually. No, well, that was... Um, that was much later. That was much later because um, what I did in the, the summer of 2021, I decided that maybe I should... Oh, no, it was, sorry, it was still the 2020. Yes, because I published my book on Amazon. Okay. Uh, this is not a sales pitch, by the way. I'm just letting you see it. Y- you are, fu- <laughs> Moira. You've done so much work. You're fully entitled to be. No, but we're holding your book up, and we will. What we will do is make sure that we got the full details of your book um, attached to the video, so that people. Yes, yeah. I'm too busy actually at the moment. I've only got about twenty left because it was banned by Amazon in January 2021. But what happened was, uh, I I thought I started writing for myself. Yeah. Um, I, not really a diary, but just different things, uh, trying to make sense of it myself, because I realised I was living through a unique time in history. Then, I think yeah. it was in the summer, I thought, or later on, I thought, should, should I, sh- is there any merit in this yes. as a book? Because I had published, actually, yeah. three, mainly my father's stuff. He was in the Merchant Navy, his writings, and I'd written three murder mysteries, which have done quite well. They're set in Glasgow and they're pleasant. But anyway... So I knew how to publish a book. I, right. knew, I, d- I designed the, own, the book cover. Okay. So, and, and I'd created audio books with him. So I knew okay. how to do all that. And I thought, yeah. there's probably no one else in Britain who's got all these skills. Yes. So I felt I had been given them. I had the training and I had to use it. Yeah, brilliant. So I ended up uh, putting, uh, I thought there is merit in it. Some people have had to work throughout and they won't know all this. Yes. So I decided, and then I thought, right, how do I do it? And uh, who's going to read this? I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've I've had a little look at this this morning while we were mm-hmm. talking just before we got started, and it it was quickly getting my attention because you you've got a a narrative of events in here, but also you've highlighted certain mm-hmm. parts with with the documents which mm-hmm. you've used. So you you're evid- evidencing it with documents to um, ho- 
show what you're saying and highlighting. Yeah. And also you've got some very emotional things in here. I pick, picked up on the, the little mm -hmm. letters that some of the elderly people were posting on the windows of the care homes, the residential homes, when they couldn't interact with their relatives. Mm -hmm. So there would be no, I, I found those very, very poignant. Yes, well, what I did was uh, I, I decided to, because I'd published books in yeah. the past, I'd learned how to write the blurb on the back of a book. It's not a synopsis. Yeah. It's a, what would make someone read it? Yes. So I wrote that. A concerned citizen living in Scotland tries to make sense of the drama surrounding the coronavirus pandemic. From the outset, she kept asking the million-dollar question, why, in order to solve a health crisis, do we have to be locked up? Yeah, right. Brilliant. So then I read, I started again writing it with that in mind. So when people are reading it, they're the concerned citizen, or yes. I don't like that word now, but yeah. uh, concerned uh, um, Person, man or woman, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, reading it. And in some ways, it was good that I didn't know more. Yeah, okay. Because people say it almost reads like a detective novel and it reminds them of all the stages it went through. Yeah, well, you know. e excellent. I'm, I'm looking I forward to, to actually reading it properly. So you, you, you're now, you've now got a bit of a name for yourself because mm -hmm. you've been picked up by the press. Um, you, you, you've done your bit of alerting the public on the streets, mm -hmm. choosing my language very carefully. And, and then you've done the book and the the audio book so what what happens then when this starts right. to come out well you get banned by amazon right what well, that's what happened i published yeah. it in december 2020 so i was really glad i got it in that year so yeah. it's the only book out of scotland right and when i published it when i put it on i thought i mean i was taking a real risk obviously um you don't know who could have gone after me and um, i made i sold 40 in the first month it was starting to gather a pace Right. And then I received exactly <clears throat> one one month later, I think it was the 6th of January 2021, I received an email from Amazon saying it didn't match the uh, World Health Organization guidelines. Oh, so oh. They were, uh, sorry, sorry. This is this is really interesting. Mm -hmm. So it, what I thought you were going to say to me, it didn't meet Amazon's um Right. Guidelines. So I'm not exactly you, sure. Um, I've, got, I've kept it though. I've got the, I've okay. got the email. So. Um, well, that that's come into your mind. So yeah. I suspect it is true. But, but this uh -huh. is this is very yes, interesting. I think it was, but um, uh -huh. I can <clears throat> send that to you. The exact thing I received. All right, we'll we'll check that. But, but anyway, the, and but the email I've got. You see, I appealed. An email I've I've got is uh, is saying that they were refusing the appeal. Right. And they were it, it stood. Right. Van. Yeah. So, so you so try. So then I thought, right, how you know how can people even read this? And um, because that's a cheap way of getting a book out. It costs nothing yeah. to upload your yes. manuscript, and it's uh, print on demand. Yeah. So I was in a real pickle. I thought, what am I going to do? Do I give up? Yeah. That was an option. But, but no, you what didn't. I was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I had the computer skills. I thought, well, yeah. I mean, I never wanted to ever be wrapping up books and yeah. selling them myself. But um, I knew I had the skills to do a website. Right. So I, they wouldn't even print it in Scotland. I phoned printers. They were too frightened to print it. Yeah. And, thought, and this is terrible, isn't it? When when you live in this country, which you, you think is a country that looks after people mm -hmm. and... and you know, we could go and we think there's law and order and justice and all yeah. this stuff. And then you try and do something and you meet people who are frightened. And a lot of them then refuse to do things in a very polite way because actually they're very embarrassed 
that they're frightened and they're refusing to help you. I've experienced well, this as well. Well, one printer, he said, um, he said he couldn't print it without it being passed by a lawyer. He said, but I'd like to read it. <laughs> so I sent him the PDF right. to read it. Yeah. But I ended up getting a company in England. Right. Um, who printed it called Biddles and beautiful, so the, very good the quality. English are not all bad then. No, so it's been a great uh, com combined <laughs> good. effort. Good, good. I've yeah. got, I've, I've been north of the border for a few days, so I've got to stand up for uh -huh. England. So I think it's a small family um, outfit, and they've been brilliant. Oh. And then, so I didn't know. So I got some copies printed in Berlin actually. Right. <laughs> they, I could get small print runs there. Oh, okay. So I got a, few, a small amount printed, and thought, and then it became the harsh lockdown. Was it level four? And in, uh, in January twenty twenty one, and I'd already decided because I knew it was a real problem. The libraries had been shut for nearly a year, yeah. and a lot of people had nothing to read. Right. My cousin only has a radio, and it's a real. It was a real yeah, thing. Yeah. And um, and I thought, imagine that, and nothing but propaganda on the radio, nothing else. Anyway, because he was a real library yeah. goer. And so it was a real problem. So I decided I would um, do um, a charitable act and operate a mobile suitcase library. And I had a collection of social history. Uh, my dad's book was called Dundee Memories. It was a really nice collection. Mm. And um, this book was in it. And Vernon Coleman, I think, had his. Okay. The first yeah. half of his was good, the diary um, entries. And this was the one though, that people were wanting to borrow the most. Right. So I did a proper library card, had a little library book. You know, it was a real little library and ran it from 12 to 1 on Saturdays. And what, what did you go out somewhere centrally to do that? Yeah, this, yeah. The, um, just outside the city square. Right. And there was, uh, it was a wonderful initiative. Right. And this was still on your own? Or did you have no, another had, lady? Uh, yeah, there was a woman with me. There was two of us, I think, on the first day. Right. We even had, I even had people singing in French. Um, that um, on the first outing, I have um, non rien de rien. <laughs> Edith Piaf. Yes. Right. So the police had to get me off the streets because I right. even had a man from a hostel who had been to Rada in London and he was right. doing his own poetry. So they right. had to get so me off the streets. Yeah, that so was you, a real you, danger. No, this this is very <laughs> this is very interesting. So you take the initiative with the suitcase of books, but yeah. then other people. Join you. Well, they and were they, no, they, they were two women that I knew. Uh, anyway, Stella, who right. ended up being arrested with me, she was there. She'd missed her bus the first week. Right. She was there, um, and um, so these were people I knew. Right. So, I would so talk how many carefully before how, we did it? How many times did you do this before the police showed an interest? It was the third. Well, they came up on the first day and asked us what we were doing. Right. And I explained to them. Because I also knew that um, charitable acts were exempt, right. so I, I felt I had all bases covered. Yeah, that that they couldn't, you know, get me on anything. So, um, so it was the th it was the third Saturday. They, they said the level had changed to four, and yeah. gatherings were then illegal. So um, they stormed the city centre with a van, and you know the police charged out. How this many? is in the drug death capital of Europe, by the way. Right, okay, uh, so you, you, there was you, was there a couple of ladies? Yeah, there were three of us. And how many police turned up? Was it about four? In yeah, it would, it would have to be, wouldn't it? Um, but police Scotland are so tough, it would need four of them to arrest two ladies. Yes. Yeah. And um, so I went, 
yeah, I mean, I just stuck up for myself in the beginning, said, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. I was a charitable act. I, you know, it's a suitcase library and the libraries are closed. And yeah. So what did they then, do? Which at the moment she's, uh, she slammed the suitcase shut, I thought, well, I'm not going to argue with the police. Yeah, and I packed up, and at one point I managed. The police are holding on to me, and I don't know how I managed, but I managed to pull away. Yeah, I was running towards home, pulling my suitcase. Yeah, and they came running after me and right. dragged me back. Right. So what happened? They they got well, you. They took Stella. It was terrible the way they treated her. You can show that video to the viewers if you oh, want. I, I can oh. got it on my way. What, I think we should. It's horrible. And they pushed her into the van. And that was the worst bit of the entire thing, actually. I was being caged in the back of this yeah. police this, this van. This is very, very scary people for people that haven't, engage, ever, haven't ever had cause to engage with the police. Um, I know from a lot of people they find it a very frightening experience. And, of course, the police... Uh, can be very brutal, so they like the fear factor. But it's the mm -hmm. same when when you experience police coming into your house, which I, I've, mm -hmm. I've had on two occasions. And um, uh, the first time, you know, I was sort of very, very careful in what I was saying to them. But the second time, I just found it amusing at the games they were trying to play. Right. But, uh -huh. but um, uh, uh, just to get a bit of lightheartedness into this, my hallway, the ceiling is very low. I'm not a very tall bloke. The ceiling is very low, and I made sure that the two very tall police officers had to stay talking to me in my hall. So they were both hunched over the whole time, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. But so but, yeah, they so put you in a van. What happens yeah. then? But well, Stella was put in van first. I they were standing holding me, holding onto me very tightly by then, and they put handcuffs on me. And I and I I said to the police women, don't you know, please don't do that. I said, my arms are completely limp. I made my arms yeah, completely limp, yeah. and she still did it. She, yeah. You don't get a say. Yeah. And uh, put that, so I was handcuffed, and I had to wait about 20 minutes till another van came. Right. And I was put in the cage, and it was so claustrophobic. Were you both both in the same van? No. Oh, wow. She was put in a cage in another van. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it's that wide. I mean, it's so, and I suffer from claustrophobia. It was yeah. horrific. Um, yeah. I, I, I knew that I knew that Dundee uh, police station was really close to the city centre, so I was just stay calm, you know, breathe, yeah. you know, and because yeah. I, I had three jumpers on and a coat and a hat because I thought I was going to be outside. Yeah. Um, so we were taken to the police station and um, kept in a cell for five and a half hours, but my um, they took my DNA, came into the cell and did that, and then they uh, fingerprinted me in a. Uh, this is the interesting bit. Hmm. They took me from an outdoor space and they put me into a tiny internal room. The police were hanging on to me, of course, yes. for uh, about an hour. And then uh, they took me into this tiny internal, unventilated room where I had my fingerprints taken. And a woman here was holding on to me yes. for about 10 minutes. Um, so they weren't frightened of anything. Um, if you believe their narrative, they were putting me in danger. If you well, believe their uh, narrative, yeah. Oh. And uh, yeah. but so they took that, and then when I was eventually. So what? What were you held in a cell? Mm -hmm. You did the fingerprints, and then you were put in a cell. Yeah, I was what, in a cell. What, then you were taken to what, the fingerprints. All right. What was the cell like? It wasn't as bad as I thought. As I say, the worst part was. I didn't feel so claustrophobic in that because I was really worried right. about that. 
Um, it was more the it was a cage in the back right. of the police van. During all of this, for all uh -huh. uh, COVID lockdown, um, in Cornwall, a young girl was arrested, a young um, lady. Mm -hmm early 20s if I remember correctly and they took her to a police station and did all that. She mm. was then put in a cell and locked in a cell and there was, um, there was a toilet in the cell mm -hmm. with no seat and directly opposite that toilet was a CCTV camera. Oh, right. Yeah. right. And the effect of course on her terrifying experience never interacted with the police but you got through her story, and I, I've been into police stations with other people, and, and the oppression and mm -hmm. the use of fear on somebody that hasn't even been proven guilty mm -hmm. is just outrageous. Yes. So I, I, I'm gonna say that if we've got any, any serving police officers that are listening to our mm -hmm. um, interaction today, I think you should really have a think about what you're doing and the behavior of some of your colleagues because it's it's very apparent to me that we have um we have very big strong police officers who are um they're sadistic basically mm -hmm. they enjoy frightening and brutalizing people mm -hmm. and yet we are supposed to be a western society that mm -hmm. stands up for law and order so yeah. that was bad for you. What what about the other la lady? She she's tougher than me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she's right. saying they took the bait, you know, <laughs> because it does it did show it just I mean it it, it told you everything you needed to know right. about. Right. Uh, I mean that we were and, in a uh, terrifying situation. Yeah. We uncovered like, highlighted right. that. And but, did, did you get but, questioned? Did they did they do? I was a... never questioned, but when I went up um, when to be charged. Stella was given uh, hers was when when you say you when when you said you went up do you mean you were, ta you were taken up from uh, the cells from the cell yeah. and if you don't sign your bail conditions and the yeah. sheet you'll be taken back down right um so my bail conditions were I wasn't going to Dundee city centre or um or go to any protest right um, the solicitor said you didn't even, don't even get that with knife crime. That I think yes. if, you're, if you're charged, you know, right. uh, that you can't go into. It was a huge area. I wasn't allowed to enter. Right. So, and that was the same for both of you then. Yeah, she was given right. those. It seemed at that time everyone being arrested in Scotland were the bail conditions were we weren't to attend any protest. Okay. And I said it wasn't a protest. Right. We were operating a, a library out of a suitcase. Right. But anyway. But you signed, and then you were released from the. Well, the you know the serious Excuse thing me. is. <laughs> Yeah. Stella was charged under the coronavirus regulations, or whatever. Right. Um, I was, I couldn't believe it when I looked at the at the sheet and it said culpable and reckless conduct. I was being charged with culpable and reckless conduct. Right, okay. I thought that sounds horrific, so I went home, looked it up immediately, and it said maximum sentence in Scotland for that is life imprisonment. Life imprisonment. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's so, what they did to the miners in the 80s, you know, when the police committed the riot uh, at Orgreave, yes. the police charged the, the men with riot and at the time that was a life imprisonment sentence. Yeah. So these the, nothing's been sorted, I think, since the 1980s. No, you know. but, but the other thing we can mm -hmm. say is that many of the, these police officers, men and women, are stupid enough to enforce 
laws and and edicts from the government mm -hmm. which are ultimately going to ensnare them and their families as well mm -hmm. this is this is That's the craziness right. of it okay so so what happened to those charges then where did that subsequently well, go um, three hours before the trial um, I got a phone call from my solicitor saying that they'd been the it was the, the case was not called it was not going to be called okay so you that, have to explain that to me because obviously mm -hmm. we've got differences with the law and how the judicial system works in Scotland so explain what what that actually meant well they weren't going to <laughs> it had been dropped be, well I, I don't the exact um, term is not called okay um, <laughs> yeah anyway um, but I think um, that's you know that was over but I've been that's when I um, I met um, Sandra Gallagher who studied law and um, anyway she helped me throughout because the whole thing was very frightening yeah and um, before a week before I got a phone call from this my solicitor saying that um, I had to go into court the next morning and they had it more they had the police had more evidence against me Right. So at that point, I was really frightened because I thought they've got my fingerprints, they've got my DNA. What yeah. are they going to What are they going to stitch me up for? Yeah. And they didn't call Stella; it was just me. And um, and I went anyway. It turned out it was nothing, but yeah. I that was less than twenty four hours' notice. I was called, right. and if I hadn't gone, I think they would have sent out a search warrant to yeah. arrest me. Yeah. So it was real intimidation, and. Um, but it turned out it was, he was getting reams of stuff sent through. I didn't. I said I don't know what that is. I've never seen that before. And it turned out it was all in relation to Stella. Okay. And one was a handwritten hymn, which was a nice one. Is it? Well, that um, that, that, that handbag. That would have been really frightening for them, wouldn't it? Some dangerous citizen has written a prayer. Well, mm -hmm. a, sorry, a hymn. Yeah, it was yeah. a song to sing. It was very nice. Right. And um, and even the sheriff looked embarrassed. You know, the, nobody quite knew why I was there, um, and he said, "Oh," and he said to the listener, "You ready?" Anyway, it was just—it was nothing. It was over. It was nothing. So, so, but you, <laughs> it was you, just you, to, it was just to further intimidate me and further make me pay out in expenses. You know, if I'm paying a solicitor, I had to pay for him to be there. Right. You know, so it's just—I so, think they just go for it to try and wreck you financially. Well, that's always the case, uh -huh. and frighten you and stress mm -hmm. you, but. Does this mean that you had one appearance in front of a sheriff and then it ended? Well, I, had, I went the first time, everyone thought it would be dropped. That was, is that called a pleading diet? And so I pleaded not guilty. Right. As did Stella. And um, then they, I had the extra appearance when they were intimidating me and then the trial and it was dropped. So it didn't actually... There was nothing actually right. discussed. And have you have you still got restrictions on you now? No, I don't. But I'm going for them with the help of, you see, I ended up forming, it's called Police Scotland Angels with Sandra because she was, she was there was a lot of people arrested in January 2021 in Edinburgh. Right. Because um, the, the police said protests were illegal on, in that month. Right, right. So she started um, trying to help other people. Yeah. So, but she didn't have IT skills, so I did the website. And uh, so it been a great... I've just worked with different people, different small teams to we, fight this tyranny. So I've learned a lot about the whole, yeah. uh, the law, the judiciary, how it all works. And uh, uh, Cody, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all been um, fascinating. 
uh, horribly, <laughs> horribly, Hor horribly <laughs> fascinating. Well, more, more. I've got to say to you that that it, your story is is a wonderful story because it's an ordinary person, if mm. I'm allowed to call you mm -hmm. that, who gets curious. But then you decided to do something, and you you did some things which even going and into a public place in order to speak to people. Mm -hmm. That can be scary for some people, it can be difficult. You, you might not mm -hmm. have found that bit, but you, you did all these things mm -hmm. and then your life must have changed, you know, from a, a lady who's done all mm -hmm. the normal things to being the lady who's been locked up in a police cell. That's an amazing, that's a, that's mm -hmm. a, a major impact on your, on your life. How, how did, Am I and people were telling my father, he was 95, they were saying that I would go to jail. Yeah. I, um, I, what, and he was we, saying, he said, I can't see that. He said, what is it you're supposed to have done? Yeah, yeah. He couldn't understand it, you know, yeah. because he had powers of logic. Right. You know? Am I able to ask, what, what, what reaction did you get from friends? Were they supportive of the fact that they were now associated with a... Well, I think... Um, I mean, it's, well, this, they, this is definitely split society. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't go to the same things I did. Yeah. Uh, that's very sad. Did you lose friends? Yes, well, I was in a golf team, table tennis team, badminton team, you know, and um, yeah, I, I don't do anything now. I just, uh, right. because I think we have no life unless this is sorted in some way yeah. Yeah. that we can relax. Um, yeah. I, I can't, there's no future. I, if I, we get digital ID in, there's no future, you know, making that that is accepted. There is no future, so because I can't relax. If we, if we and just put those, chipping. <laughs> put those two together, because digital ID comes in it, and it means that the, the state knows everything about you. Mm -hmm. There is no distance. There's no separation between any man, woman, or child and the state. The state controls such a quantity of data and such personal data, the state owns you. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. Well, I heard, I did a little video again on my YouTube channel, yeah. Moira Dundee, and um, that was quite short, but um, it shows a checkpoint in Northern Ireland. I was there. Um, I couldn't get into an outdoor um, Christmas market. Yeah. They had people that uh, security yeah. on the door of the <laughs> open yeah. air space and people were showing their phones yeah. and I got the footage of that yeah. and comparing it to, you know, after the war they kept the ID cards. Yeah, they did, yeah. And then, uh, so, but I heard, so I did a video uh, showing we don't want to be this paper yeah. police society. Yeah. But, um, so we saw how they did it with the vaccine passports. We yeah. don't need to see whether they're capable of it. They yeah. definitely are. And, but, uh, uh, Peter Hitchin, I heard an interview with him, I think it was from 2017, and it was very good. Yeah. And he was explaining it. Digital ID, it's a government digital ID, and it puts the government above us. Yes. Above our heads rather than below us. Yes. And they they won't do it initially, but they make it conditional. Well, it, it, cre it creeps in, yeah, it doesn't creeps. it? Yeah. And uh, somebody said that to me, you know, so they could make it you can't get benefits unless you're taking so many yeah, yeah. vaccinations yeah. or you can't get your uh, bus pass, yeah. whatever it is. But somebody said, oh, you're always thinking the worst, always presuming the worst. They might not do that. And I said to them, well, <laughs> I said, why would you allow a system to be in place where they could do it? Yeah. No, we don't. Well, we're not going to allow it. <laughs> this, this is this is the weakness of a, of a lot of people 
they, through no fault of them, uh, their own, are nice people. They're good people. Mm. And they find it very difficult to get their good minds in, 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 to understand there are people who are utterly vile. They're mm -hmm. malicious, they're psychopathic. And many of those people are now in the government and the government systems. Mm -hmm. And uh, okay, I spent, I, I spent 20 years in the military and you know, in that time, of course, it was it was supposed to be the Russians and the and the Warsaw Pact that were the the nasty communists, and they were going to come and murder us. Uh, but since my navy time, I'm watching what I regard as a Soviet system take over UK. Mm -hmm. It's it's brutal, and I I believe it is worse than the Soviet system because at least in in the Soviet states. Mm -hmm. People knew what their own governments were. They knew that the state was dangerous. They knew secret police were operating. But here, mm. we've got this veneer of respectability. Mm. The state pretends that, that it's, it's... That's what Peter Hitchens said. He said everyone yeah. would laugh at what, yeah. the, what the paper yeah. said or the state was, you know, yeah. was saying, whereas here, people believe the BBC. Yeah. That's, and, that's more dangerous. Just to... <laughs> we, we're, we're, we're laughing as we go through this story, but it is very, you know, it's very serious. Over the last few days, we, we've met um, ladies from a, uh, a children's home that provided, supposedly provided respite. It was called mm -hmm. Fenethi. And over a period of 30 years, little girls, five, six, seven, eight, nine, went to that house, supposedly for some form of respite stay. They came from very poor areas in, in Glasgow, Scotland. Mm -hmm. And during that time, the minimum was they were brutalized and the ladies talk about, talked about what had happened to them. Mm -hmm. um, hit, um, left in cold rooms overnight, brutalized in all sorts of ways. And ultimately the undertone is uh, a lot of them talked about they were given a glass of milk at night and after that they never remembered anything else mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so we're working with these ladies mm -hmm. but what, what I want to emphasize mm -hmm. is with the evidence of hundreds of ladies now coming forward to talk about their experience in Fenethi they have tried to engage with Police Scotland Police Scotland don't want to engage with them they don't want mm -hmm. to investigate they show no sympathy but Police Scotland can come with two vans and arrest two mm -hmm. ladies and get you in a police cell. Mm -hmm. But when we have women coming who's talking about how they were brutalised and right. without a doubt mm -hmm. many of them sexually abused, the same police force, the same judiciary system doesn't want... So this the is... Police is in a bad way. Well, but this is where the ordinary person needs to wake up mm -hmm. because what is being installed in Scotland and and the rest mm. of UK is a vicious system. That's right, but they won't even need police once they've got their facial recognition. Yeah. I think that's going to be on top of the LED street lighting. And yeah. anyway, just everywhere you go, they, you just, they'll just send fines directly or maybe they could drive, put you in an electric... Um, bus and take you straight to a prison or something. Yes. I don't think even the police are going to well, and, it and of course, in the future. We, we've now got a system where if you're brought to trial, you don't necessarily appear in a court. It can be a remote hearing. Mm 
That's right. And therefore, you don't right. even know that the the data feed, the video feed of that hearing, can be manipulated. It can be altered. We that's see right. we, we we see them altering documents. That's what Sandra's um, exposing. These frontal pads are called. Right. Um, the um, they can edit them after. Yes. Actually, edit anything yeah. digital. Don't say you know. It can be changed afterwards. Yeah. So it's um, it's not a fair process. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to just to finish the police um, story. I'm going for them. I mean, right. that woman broke the law. Um, yeah. Arresting me because I had done nothing wrong. Right. It was a charitable act and everything, but um, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't even you know anyway. But if that doesn't frighten people, I think it did say in the police document that. I had organised a gathering which um, risked the um, spreading coronavirus. Right. Now, that means they can just lift anyone they don't like off the street. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't terrify people, you yeah. know, I don't know what will. But um, she's, I've got it now. She's helped me with the process. And just going through the, their complaints procedure, right. which is the police, police and the police. But anyway, you've got to do it. Um, but I've got assurance um, so far that my DNA and fingerprints have been destroyed, have been taken right. off the database. Yeah, I, I, I say, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right, now, Allegedly, I, yeah. Maura, I think we're I just know, about sorry. coming up I to the, the end of time for this, but yeah. it, it's been utterly brilliant. I, we, we had a UK column meeting in mm. Motherwell uh, last night, which was, which was wonderful. Mm. Um, lovely people came along and we, we, we had a very good session and questions asked and answered mm -hmm. and, and everything else. Um, where am I getting to? There are people that are active and I said at the meeting last night very strongly that I'd been fascinated as a man to see women becoming very fiery and doing things and I think you've given a classic example today so you're a woman who decided something was wrong and then you stood up to be counted and and I said to the ladies in the audience last night you are very important people because we can now see that actually women are being attacked singled out if you can't go to you know if you can't go um what do you call it up here? To the privy, the lavatory, the WC, mm -hmm. the the bathroom, whatever it is, you can't go there and not and know that there's not going to be a man in there. Mm -hmm. This is a male. Yeah. yeah, this this is a terrible mm -hmm. terrible position. And of course, everything about being a mother is being attacked. Mm -hmm. And now we're saying, and particularly in Scotland, we can't define what a woman is. We don't know what a woman is. So mm -hmm. I said to the a audience, woman has a womb. <laughs> Well, an ad adult, adult so female, right, thank you. So, so I said to the ladies in the audience, you know, you, you've got to fight because this is going for you. But I also yeah. said, and I think this is true, at the end of the day, when the women start fighting, mm -hmm. um, this is a powerful thing. And of course, if you are kicking the backsides of the men, we're getting more men standing up. Because a lot of men have been very casual about some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So... I'm, I'm, if I may, mm -hmm. saying to you, well done for what you've done. What's your message to other Thank people you. out there? Well, uh, because I did see it and I was horrified, you know, I could see that and I heard Bill Gates early on saying, yeah. life isn't going to go back to normal until yeah. we get a vaccination. Yeah. And so I could see, I mean, the whole lockdown was coercion. Yeah. You don't get your life back 
until you take the vaccine. Yeah. Well, that is the ultimate coercion, yeah. isn't it? So um, I couldn't, you know, I, I used to wake up every morning and, you know, just I couldn't believe, you know, is this really happening? You know, yeah. it's just it really because it's so evil. Um, I just I couldn't believe it. But um, speaking out did make me feel better. I thought yeah. I was going to have a heart attack right yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. But uh, once I spoke out, I actually felt better. Yeah. And um, but I had done architecture um, and computer programming, completely sol solitary things. You right. know, I had done no public speaking. I'd never spoken out. Right. And and I just thought I have to find my voice no matter what. You know, just say it. Do it yeah. and what, because um, it's so so serious. Yeah, and what what you <laughs> did, other people can do, but it's it's feel the fear, isn't it? There's that little yes, expression, feel the fear, but do it anyway. And I knew when I took my skipping ropes, I thought I, if it's by speaking out against this, I could end up in a police cell. Yeah, and I, and and I did. Yeah, but uh, um, I, I I knew. You know, so you just have to do it anyway. But I was saying, since I have got, I'm not, a uh, I have printed, had these yeah. printed, had uh, people going around the Highlands giving them out. I mean, yeah. um, there's been 1,600 free copies distributed throughout Scotland. Right. And people pass them on. I mean, the audio so, version. So you, you said... You say that you're short of these now, but can you still get these printed? No, I can get more printed. Right. But I've had 1,600 right. printed so right. far. So for somebody to get a hard copy, what, what, oh, yeah, how so much is, how do they do that? It's on my website, questioninglockdown.com. Right. But what I wanted to say on the listen tab, you can listen to the whole book for free. Right, okay. So I'm not well, I'm actually not trying to make money. I'm no, just trying no, to no. get people to <laughs> listen to but it. You, you are you're, fi you're or, fine. Or share the link. Because you can share the link to New Zealand and it costs nothing. Yes. You see, it's yeah. great. And it's and then, changed minds. It yeah. really has changed minds. People have said to me, right. and they didn't take the vaccination because they read it. Yeah. Which no, is it's wonderful. Great. I think there's power in both things because people will listen to somebody as a, uh, something as an audio mm -hmm. and, and they really get something from that. I also believe that there's something about a book in oh, your yeah. hand and that when somebody gives you a book or uh -huh. and books get, passed on they can go around a lot of people so i think there's merit to both and uh -huh. we we and will some people don't have a computer or yeah a okay so your message to the audience is even though it's scary it is possible for one individual to stand up against the state and well, and yes well i kind of look back now i know how the world really works now yeah um and i um look back now and i think of me hitting the streets of Dundee with my little leaflet by myself. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's good to be naive. Yeah, well... I, I, <laughs> because you know, I've, it's laughable, really, yeah. now. You know, you yeah. think they own the media, they own... You yeah. Know, um, but I did it. Well, I... Did I, it. And, you I know, started out... The first <laughs> ever talk I did was, was in a village hall. It was the local... Um, village hall mm -hmm. there were 17 people right. and the bit that I always laugh about is that when it came to questions it went on and on and on and eventually it was after midnight and I was saying to these people go home right. but but me doing that with 17 people then led to I've done over 400 public talks now and I right. could never have imagined how that sort of spread and grew so you Yes. Doing, so I would, yeah. I would say that don't question too much. I do it myself. I th and yeah. I think if people, you know, we've been put down at school and everything. Yeah. Who's who's going to listen to you? That's yeah. what people yeah. would yeah. say, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, the experts. You're yeah. not an expert. You yeah. Know, who's going to listen to you? So don't ever think that you're insignificant and mm. um, that... I mean, I do it myself. I keep yeah. saying, is there any, you know, putting in this right. effort, will it pay off? Or well, it has. And I, yeah, and don't even think it because every little helps. Brilliant. So I La would say that's a nice ending. Last question, which you don't have to answer, but is your husband proud of you? Well, I don't know, but we're still together. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, our views are a bit different, but he's always, he's been supportive throughout. Yeah, brilliant. And, um, and that's probably helped too because he's been someone to debate with oh you yeah if if there's two of you or more you're far stronger so excellent mm -hmm. Moira I'm, I'm, I'm going to say thank you so much for doing this with me today brave enough to sit down with me because you've never met me before mm -hmm. we've we've mm -hmm. just had a five a five minute chat and come into this room mm -hmm. but my goodness what a story so I'm going to say thank you for the interview and thank you very much for being brave enough to stand up and take on the Scottish state. And I'm sure you've made a difference. Well, thank you, but I couldn't have done it without finding the right people at the right time. Yeah, but they come. When you start come, to do yeah. something, the uh -huh. right people will come. Uh -huh. We'll say to our audience, we, we hope you've enjoyed our conversation and we particularly hope that our conversation and all of Moira's brave efforts prompts you to do more yourselves because what we need is a very large number of people doing a few of the right things that's the power to change mm -hmm. what's happening and our children need us to do this mm -hmm. and stay free resist digital id <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll end there moira thank you very much thank you brian